Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening are John Christian, Troy Sandlin, and then we've got two very special guests with us tonight. We've got Devin and Nate from Start Playing Games. How's everybody doing? Amazing. Doing good. Oh, I love amazing. That's a great way to start this sucker. I'm so (sighs) stoked to be hanging out with y'all. Oh my gosh, we're, there's, I think there is a million questions that we want to throw at you right out the get-go. Um, folks that don't know about your website, um, we're going to get into all that in a bit, but give us right here real quick, uh, Nate and uh, Devin, one of you introduce yourself and uh, talk to us, just the elevator pitch for Start Playing Games here real quick. Yeah. Uh, Nate, you want me to throw this out? Yeah, why don't you, I, I like, do you mind if we go a little bit into kind of our founding story, how we met? I think that's a, it's a fun story and gets the elevator pitch really well. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Go for it. Let's do it. So, Devin, I've, yeah. uh, I've, I've been in the tabletop games forever. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I stream on a channel, you know, I, uh, um, uh, I, I've been a professional DM. I was in Bloomberg for it and... I get a phone call one day from a Nate Tucker. Nate, what, what were you asking me? You called me. What was it about? I was, I was doing. Um, I for any of you that are sort of familiar with startup stuff, I was a uh, person that was part of this program called Y Combinator, and they told us you need to talk to people that could potentially be your users. And one of the people that could potentially be my users were or was Devin, uh, and so I was asking him all about. Uh, basically how to be a professional game master and what are the tools that you use and how do you find people to go ahead and play for? Well, now, here's the thing. It was a, it was a funny conversation because Nate was kind of at, like, Nate called me kind of almost under the guise of like booking a game <laughs> with me. I had to, okay. uh, I had to get right? you on the like, phone, let's, let's, let's be honest here, Nate, okay? <laughs> let's be honest. And But Such then he was asking age. a lot of questions like, so how often do you run games? Or, uh, you know, what's the market like for professional dungeon masters? Uh, you know, what's your gross GMV? What's, uh, you know, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> interesting. And we started talking and he said, well, I had this idea, uh, you know, for a site for pre- uh, professional dungeon masters. And I told him, shut the front door. I have this whole database of DMs because I've been trying to figure out how to do this exact same thing. Um, four hours later, we had like the the beginnings of of what our site became. Nice, that's fantastic. Um, but Nate, t- t- introduce yourself. Who are you? <laughs> so, Devin, uh, who is the Uber nerd amongst us, um, has much more of a background with D anD D. But I've been playing D anD D ever since high school. Um, I my sister was the one who was first into it, and because she was one year older than I. I decided that I would never do anything that she did. Um, and so only until right at the end of high school, when someone else had sort of invited me to do it, did I ever play. And I, I had to eventually say, you told me so. Um, it was <laughs> awesome. I started the, uh, the preeminent board game club at Harvard uh, called Happy, which has its own sort of funny story about it. Um, and I studied computer science, came out to the Valley, did some work over at Google and Facebook, and was really interested in how I could basically pursue my passion for uh, you know, computer science with my passion for Dungeons and Dragons. 
And and so I, I got into D and D when I because my mom's really freaking cool. I was like seven, and she bought this like choose your own adventure book that involved dice. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And then when I was younger, I was trying to find more stuff about it. And someone's like, oh, you should try Dungeons and Dragons if you like that. I was like, what is that? Then just one day <laughs> at the local comic and toy store, I saw them playing. I was like, what is this? Like it's Dungeons and Dragons. Like, <clears throat> can I play? And like, sure, kid. And I sat down. And ever since then, I just had binders full of maps and, and lore that didn't make sense because I was 12. You know, like this is the sort of gonkin and it, it just it lights things on fire, you know, just the typical kid stuff. But ever since then, I've loved it. Um, I've been a marketer uh, all since, uh, you know, professionally. Um, and I, I kind of thought, like, I wonder if people would pay for a DM. And, and so I built a mm. site and people did. And eventually that led me to meet Nate. Right Interesting. On. Mm-hmm. Happily ever after, hopefully. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nate's like my best Very friend cool. now. <laughs> so it was a twist of fate that brought this all together, is what you're yeah. telling me. Because it seems like you both were like primed one for the other when you exactly. came together. And, and almost... mind you, it was two days after the pandemic hit, like when oh. San Francisco shut down when I got this phone call. And I was like, well, I have tons of free time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is not what you said to me <laughs> <laughs> oh no this, he knows this is starting to sound like a very nerdy rom-com it really is <laughs> it's a very mm. nerdy bromance yes like, I love it but that's awesome though that's cool perfect okay so so long and short of it uh, start playing is a website for you to find uh, TTRPGs run by professional game masters. Is that the? Is that a quick summary that works? Yeah, that's perfect. You know, it's just perfect. F- you know, fi- a very central location. It's not system uh, 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 specific. You know, you can mm-hmm. play any game system. You can play on any virtual tabletop, uh, and you know, either find a game master for you and your friends, or just find a game to join with a bunch of other people that are, are looking for uh, you know a party. Love it. Okay, cool. All right, so take this nugget dear listeners and and hold on to it for just a few minutes because we got some news articles to get through we're going to cover our dessert first as always uh and then we'll come back to this now that you know who's on the other end of these mics and uh we'll dive into start playing more fully and our topic of the evening uh but before that uh let's see troy john uh myself and devin all have news articles to chat about let's let our guest go first Devin. uh you you gave me this link um right before we got on the air and i could tell by the excitement in your voice the the trembling of your lips and the uh fluttering palpitations of your heart that you were ready for this so talk to us about things and talons wow, i'm you're, so you're, your clean feed connection is way better than mine i didn't hear any of that Oh well, <laughs> I didn't hear any. I didn't hear any palpitations or flutterings. Yeah. I, I have a really nice mic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited. Here's the thing: I I love WizKids. Um, I have a a, a, a Twitch show, um, and it's um, it's uh, sponsored by WizKids. They they send us stuff for it, um, but. I would buy. I still buy some extras just because I want all their stuff. I love what WizKids has been putting out, um, and I, I say this like even if uh, we weren't sponsored, I'd still like get all of their stuff. Um, I see that they have this new set out. I've seen just a couple pieces showing up on Twitter, and 
I know that there's a box coming for me. They told me like, hey, it's going to be coming soon. You're in the second wave. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I can't wait to, I just, <laughs> oh, just, I just, I, why do I need more miniatures? I literally am looking at a box that I've yet to use. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I need them. I need them more. I need, mm-hmm. they're painted. That's the best thing. I don't have to paint them. I'm a bad miniature painter. And so just the, all this pre-painted stuff is just filling my dreams. Hmm. Are you, are you, are you all uh, <laughs> miniature painters? Yep. Uh, no. <laughs> no. So I'm not. I am a. I am an appreciator of uh, yes. miniature painting, but that's about same. The extent. Now, here's the thing, though, is like I feel like um, anything that's painted, I have to be very careful with, and I'm sometimes clumsy. And I've had a very many nice um, uh, pieces that I've just dropped or got scratched, and the paint got tore off. And that's kind of like I, I'm like okay, like if I could if I get some durable plastic miniatures that are pre-painted, <laughs> I could be a little careless with them. I could just throw them in a box if I need to take them somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. And and so I'm I'm just I don't know what's in the set. Do you guys know what's in the set? I do. Give yeah. me a morsel. Give me a morsel. Just tell me like a a couple. What's in here? Okay, there are a few dragons. A few. And yes, there are a few dragons. What? Yes. <laughs> Um, and yep. there are yep. a, oh gosh, there are a few giant types. I am. How about that? Is that safe yeah. enough of a No, I want more, you? more. Just give me just another morsel. I processed the last one. <laughs> okay. Um, there uh, is, go ahead, go ahead, Troy, you have, you have one you want to th- throw oh, out there? Oh man, I don't know how to, how to, there's a. There is a strange floating orb with what looks like eye stalks on it, but it's yep. not oh. a beholder. Oh, so like it's a will o' wisp? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, oh, so it's strange. I don't know. Wow. Okay. There, now I'm really curious. I, my eyes were drawn to that one as well, Troy. Uh-huh. I think that's uh-huh. the only one that I don't like immediately recognize. Um, oh, really? As 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 an icon, right? As a piece of art i oh, don't recognize really? I, that piece of art i have used these a few times okay yeah yes. i recognize the creature i just don't recognize the art for the creature oh the design okay, okay. yeah so that one that one threw me because i was like oh that's what that looks like <laughs> oh now i'm so intrigued listen <laughs> yeah. like uh, like i i'm just i'm i'm so ready to bust open that box and just like oogle uh these these minis um mm-hmm. i just can't wait um, yeah. And it's, I want to be a little surprised, so that's why I haven't been looking at photos online. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. You'll you'll be happy. Awesome. Uh, that is the uh, new Wiz Kids Fangs and Talons set, and we will post a link to that in the show notes so that everybody else can get excited as well. And uh, I might have to place an order here real quick. There we go. <laughs> All right. right. Perfect. <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay. Um, John, you've been a busybody. You got a couple things for us, so um... I do. Mine are mine are pretty. I got one quick one and one that's uh, we'll we'll sit on just for a little bit. So uh, trying to stay up on the news with Roll Twenty. Uh, the the latest blog entry from October fifteenth is the industry report for the Q three. Just the the stats and the numbers again. We'll put those into the show notes. Not a ton of uh, of changes in here, so. D&D 5e, still at the top of the list, 53.26%, uh, let me try that again, 
of the campaigns that are being run now are in uh, in 5e. Uh, over 100 million total play hours were logged in during Q3 alone. An explosive growth. Uh, in Q2, it was 80 million. Just to give you so a 20% bump just in the sheer volume of, of play that's going on uh, in, the, in the VTT uh, space right now. Um, cl- the closest one in, uh, behind uh, D&D 5e right now is Call of Cthulhu and Pathfinder. Uh, Call of Cthulhu with a 7.22%, and uh, Pathfinder was just over 4%. So, uh, just something to keep the because we've uh, we've kept up with that in the past. I'd mentioned the Q2 and the Q1 reports to the listeners before, so I just wanted to make sure that I, I brought that up here too. So, again, not a lot of movement and not a lot of new entries onto the list. Uh, just uh, a little bit more of the same, but I'm a I'm a numbers nerd, so I love uh, I love crunching those numbers and taking a look at them. Can I ask you your, your opinion on 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 some of those numbers? Yeah, of course. Do you think uh, do you think a lot of that uh, is uh, people coming on uh, because virtual play has is so much more of a necessity right now? And do you think that's going to like? Do you think virtual play is going to kind of uh, uh, continue with that same amount of um, uh, numbers? I think well, it's kind of it's hard to say, right? Uh, I I'm not sure if we're at a at a at the peak or if we're reaching the plateau. I think what's going to end up happening uh, sooner rather than later is people are going to be able to uh, meet with their friends face to face again, and it will it will not negate, but it will lessen the requirement of, of finding an online methodology for for getting together. However, what Troy, Zach, and I have experienced with public play. With larger events like D and D Live, D and D celebrations, and things like that, people from across the globe are starting to reach out to one another now. So it's hard for me to find this as a either the peak or the valley just yet. I think there's a little bit. It's the it's a kind of a question mark of what's what's to come. There's I think there's a lot of room for additional growth and uh, and additional players to come in and more hours to be played on the regular. And you'll see like a flux and some ups and downs, but uh, I think it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I think VTTs are here to stay mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And we've we've seen similar stuff on our platform too, with um, <clears throat> people. We've got game masters in Australia, game masters in Greece, game masters in uh, the Netherlands. Um, a lot of which actually cater to U.S. players, um, mm-hmm. so they'll be playing in different time zones in order to go ahead and you know play games for and our, our platform primarily at least for the player base is is in the u.s um but we're starting to see this growth that's uh cross continent which is which is kind of crazy and mm. the groups that are formed during the pandemic aren't going to go away mm. no no well, no I, and i love it and it's, it's just one thing to bind us together right i love that the hobby has brought together people of every stripe um here in the states it's nice to see new friends that we've made along the way from an international audience that are, that are coming to the table virtually and playing with us. It makes it that much. It, the world becomes a little bit smaller more when we're playing together and it's yep. nicer to be able to have them. Uh, it's nice to have them join the, the fun with us too. So, and I think you're right. I think that those, the bonds that you create with those people, no matter how far away they are or how weird our accent is to theirs or vice versa, <laughs> how hard it is to understand what they say or what we're saying to them sometimes that um, the, the the language of fun in this game is universal. And uh, so, yeah, I don't, it's, it's hard for me to say that it's going anywhere any, anytime. So the numbers are, de- are definitely there too, right? We're already seeing more people are going out now, right? More people, people are getting a little bit braver. I think we'll know probably end of Q4, Q1, 2021, uh, 
I just read some news today about Pfizer prepping 100 million doses of their COVID vaccine in preparation for uh, a for approval by the FDA, and they're trying to get that ramped up. So as more people are becoming vaccinated, they may start doing more face-to-face stuff, but uh, I think that's only time will tell. I think the next six months are going to be critical in knowing exactly what kind of an impact people going back to their normal lives is going to is going to see with the va- the yeah. virtual space. And you probably have people that are, are playing virtual just because they don't have a group near them that exactly. have like, I'm going to do this during the pandemic, and they fall in love with it, and they they now just have their virtual group, and they're probably going to keep it that way because it's it just it's what works best for them. And as long as you're playing games, like whatever whatever fits for you and your group, right? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, I've, I've, had, yeah. I've had friends of mine that I've, I've known since high school, like really close friends since high school that we keep up with one another and we'll, we've got our own discord server that we'll, we'll BS on and everything like that. We, we never had a chance to play with one another since high school or college. And so in, since COVID, you know, since the quarantine first hit, we play every single Friday uh, with very few interruptions in between. And it's been a lot of fun. And it's, I mean, it's not going anywhere anytime soon either. So I've connected with them, and they're spread to the four winds here in the States. Yeah. I, I, same thing happened with me. I had some college buddies that, you know, based in Boston, New York, and we had played games all throughout college every weekend. And when the pandemic hit, we've played more games in the past few months than we had in the past four years. So Absolutely. it's been great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very cool. One thing that I'll note... Uh, John, is, that I found interesting about the article you posted was the notation that um, powered by the apocalypse, the system that includes Monster of the Week and mm-hmm. um, Blades in the Dark and Dungeon World um, has had explosive growth, so much so that they've separated it out into each one of those systems having its own category. But mm-hmm. if they lump them all together, the uh, powered by the apocalypse setting is more popular than Warhammer Fantasy, World of Darkness, D&D 3.5, Starfinder, Star Wars, and anything lower than that. Wow. Wow, um, that's interesting. So that's, that's a huge bump. Now, obviously, it's still like less than 2% of the total games are played in that system, but that's a huge jump past a lot of big names. So good for them. That's a great system. So I, lo- I love that system. Monster of the Week is one of my favorite games to play. Yep. Absolutely. Coolio. It's, yeah. I, I would love to <laughs> chat about this at some time because it's oh, just, yeah. um, I think you see similar trends in the video gaming space from 10 years ago where, mm-hmm. you know, social or rules like games start to become like really big and are now the dominant form of gaming. Um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see these trends also strike into the tabletop world too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, John. Uh, speaking of one of the things we just talked about, what's your next yeah. topic? Okay, so uh, if you need an easier way to play a game that punishes you, or that is uh, <laughs> that is grim, <laughs> dirty, and you might actually die during character generation, then Warhammer Fantasy is for you. And, and what better way to make that even easier than for them to... Uh, they actually they started their own starter set, or created their own yeah. starter set that's available online through Cubicle 7 Games. Um, I picked up a copy. Uh, I've, I've got one I've, on myself. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So yeah, I've, I've actually have a friend of mine who, uh, tried to get me to play it a couple of times I've read through the rules and I was like, this seems miserable. This seems like playing final fantasy 11. Uh, <laughs> this is, this is, this is eight hours of a punch in the mouth for like a five minute heroin rush of, of, Oh my God, I think I just leveled. You know, Right. So, uh, but I went ahead and I picked it up anyway, because from you know, it's it's hard to beat the 
the uh, the quality here is they uh, they know what they're doing when they're putting it together. They've obviously seen the success of uh, Lost Minds and Found Elver with the starter set, with essentials, D and D essentials, and things like that. Where the the box set, the starter set, has become popularized through D and D. I think Aliens just created a. All right, they had like an alien box set or something like that that came out pretty recently. So there's a trend, and I think it's a smart trend, of creating a a manageable price point to get people in the door. You got a light version of the rules, some pre, pre-generated characters, maybe some dice if you need them, and an adventure to give a person the feel to uh, to kind of dip their toe into the waters to see if it's something that they're interested in spend, investing more money into. So... Uh, maybe, you know, maybe I've, I've just, I've been missing out all this time. Maybe I, maybe I've, I actually, I'm going to be a glutton for punishment after I try this out. Who knows? Here's like, I, th- I think, I think the number one thing to get anyone into a game or, or to, uh, come to a new game system is a pre-generated character. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Here, here. You know, um, onboarding is such like a, uh, a brutal thing. Like think about board games and you're like, trust me, what, you know, we, the rules are a couple pages long, but once we start playing, it'll make sense. But if you could, the faster you can get playing something, I think the better that you're like, okay, now I want to make my own because I get it. Yeah. It's the yep, difference right between, if you to carry the board game example on, it's the difference between saying, hey, here's a board game, read all the rules and then we'll play. Or here's a board game, I know how to play, let's just play. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. I can show you. It's, there's a world of difference between those two. Also, let's talk about uh, dying in character creation. What's that yeah. about? <laughs> Can, now, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that has happened to me before. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know about like how, how it is. How it is you die? Because I, I know there are some games that that do this, but I'm I'm so curious because I, I I want that, but I don't. You know, <laughs> I, I like I get. I'm like that's really cool, life, but right? like what? <laughs> Yeah. It's, a t- it's a tale that you can tell to your friends. It's probably the only the main reason why it's even in there is because it's, I it's never hilarious. Even got to play. That's like that's play. like a that's like the hazy IPA of tabletop gaming right now, is that you can make a character that dies in character creation. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. All, all right, Toby, you set this one out. Sorry, bud. Yeah. <laughs> well, if one day okay. I'll have a character that survives. There's a there's a 40k version of this too. Uh, the starter set, so you can yeah. play oh, in the yeah. fantasy or the or the space marines. Um, right, nice. So yeah, I think yeah, they're I mean, very I similar box the, sets. I love the 40k lore. I never I never got into the the tabletop. Uh, I never got into like miniatures play, but uh, I, I in particular a, a buddy of of mine, uh, Eck, introduced me to um, Rogue Trader, and uh, absolutely love love Rogue Trader, the, the tabletop RPG in particular, and so. Uh, but that same group, gaming group that I played the, played that with, introduced me to Warhammer Fantasy, and it's fascinating. And it's, the, the lore is really interesting, and and all that good stuff. I just it's it's like playing Cthulhu, where it's like you're, you're born to lose in that in that game. There's nothing heroic about it. Yeah, uh, there there is. Yeah, nothing no. but despair. W- woe betide to any who rolls a die for you for the for the die are always against you and never in your favor. Listen, I, I, I fight I, to lose. That's my motto. I fight, you fight to lose? Fight to lose. I, <laughs> I, I played Warhammer Fantasy uh, roleplay once, and I couldn't decide if I was going to have more fun playing this game or standing over in the corner trying to kick myself in the nuts. I, I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so go ahead and pick up Warhammer Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, that's 
starter <laughs> set, right? It's, it's yeah. almost yeah. as good as staying in a corner, kicking yourself in the nuts. That needs to be printed on the side of the starter box, right yeah. there. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's that's your T-shirt for get for yeah, buying the starter. No, I mean it's it's an all right system, but yeah, it's so. I mean, when they say a grim world of perilous adventure, they they are not kidding. It is. It's all grim. It's all perilous. It's just like yeah, I've, I actually. It, not only can hell? you die during character creation, it, if you if you don't, if you are lucky enough to live, who knows if you'll end up with all of your appendages? You may end up starting out with a hook, one eye, no teeth. It's just yeah, it, <laughs> if you're if you're familiar with uh, dungeon crawl classics, yeah, it's like it's like Warhammer Fantasy roleplay is a grimmer. Uh, less f- humorous version of that. <laughs> Does the world need this right now? <laughs> I well, buy the starter set and find out. Well, I don't know. I man. So. Some people might find it. Some people might find it refreshing. You know, by comparison to all of this other. You know, they they, they may think it's all everything else is mamby pamby, and they what they want. That's what true. they want is a real. They want a real challenge. Yeah. Was Mork the, Borg not enough for you? Guess what? It's a level two. <laughs> or or maybe they'll play this and go, wow. The real world isn't, world isn't so bad after all. That's right. There you go. That's good. You're desensitizing yourself to the horrors of the real. Wait, wait yes. Go. Thank you, yes. Warhammer Fantasy. Thank you, Warhammer <laughs> You put everything into perspective for us. Well, hey, uh, let's get through these so we can talk about our topic, uh, yeah. which I, we're, we're, these are basically mini topics at this point, and I love it. Um, we've got two more, though, and I'll, I'll cover mine real quick. Um and Kickstarter, like a year and a half in the making, has finally delivered to my doorstep. Um, I backed uh, Monty Cook's Arcana of the Ancients, like, oh, yeah. so long ago. And the uh, core book came in earlier this summer. And lo and behold, another package showed up at my door. And I realized uh, that I had another book coming, Beasts of Flesh and Steel. Uh, is the book that I want to talk about tonight. Um, Beasts of Flesh and Steel is the uh, science fantasy monster manual tied to Arcana of the Ancients. It is 140 new monsters that tie in. A lot of them are creatures that have like grafted machine elements to them. Um, There are machines in there. There are just regular creatures in there, but it's just a weird conglomeration of gorgeous art and strangeness, um, and I love it. They're, um, they're, they're, not... they're, that's what they're known for. Yes, <laughs> this, this is perfectly beautifully strange. Yes, yeah, and it it really captures it. It's not going to be for everybody. If you don't want metal and gears and uh, things that were to life. Um, in your D&D, then don't buy this book. But um, if you're like me and you secretly have a yearning to play a science fiction game every time you play in fantasy, this will get you halfway there. Um, And I love it. It's, it's, it's a great, great book. They've, they're selling the, I think it's like almost 200 pages. You can get the, the hardcover for like 45 bucks, which is very reasonable. And you can get the PDF for $18. it's I think that the the quality of the book itself is excellent. You're not going to be disappointed there. Um, I think this is a no-brainer if you're into science fantasy. 
I'm I'm buying it right now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like on their I said, website. This is the hard sell portion of the episode. <laughs> and, and then another just, sucker buys into one, like you're like the PT Barnum of Kickstarters. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. This no this one is a yeah yeah. You didn't have to wait 18 months for this book like I did. You can get yeah, it next week, um, which is worth it. By All the right. way, that's not that's not a jab. I'm I, actually I'm clicking buy right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it looks it looks like a really really bad acid trip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's bizarre. Yeah, the sample monsters. We, we'll post the link, but the sample monsters are, do a good job of communicating what you're getting out of this book. So easy enough. All right, Troy, finish this out. All right, from let's see where are we at here. From Elder Brain comes Crown of the Oathbreaker. Uh, as of this recording, the Kickstarter goes live tomorrow. So you should have plenty of time once this drops to still to still back it. The interesting thing about this, it's a it's a it's a campaign setting adventure, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but the interesting thing about this is Elder Brain put out this huge questionnaire. Asking oh. all types of yes. Asking all types this. of questions, like what types of endings would be best for an adventure? Um, what story hooks do you like to see in an adventure? And this is that adventure. They took the top and, and, and t uh, over 2,000 responses on this questionnaire. So uh, which story hooks would you like to see in this adventure? Um, stumbling on a conspiracy and being accidentally drawn into a situation are the top. Um, and just all these cool questions. What types of uh, hostile organizations would you like to see? Uh, cults won out on that one. So expect to see cults in in Crown of the Oathbreaker. <laughs> uh, just, but just all kinds of, of questions that I would say DMs that sit around trying to figure out what to, to cook up for their homebrew should probably take a look at this. Because it is some awesome information. Um, the artwork that I've seen so far for it looks fantastic. Um, I don't have any other information besides besides that because the Kickstarter goes live tomorrow. Um, but it just looks it just looks absolutely amazing. It, it's <laughs> it's going to be for D and D five e and Pathfinder Second Edition. Uh, it's a multi-level, multi-layered sandbox realm. Um, there'd be dark secrets, uh, from the past of a royal family. Uh, you have to explore lands ravaged by the curse and you get to travel to the Fey realm, the shadow realm, and even into hell to save the crown from uh, a pact of hags. Uh, mm. so yeah, there's just if 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 uh, their research behind this holds true, this should be the ultimate adventure ever played. I mean, it was done by survey. So interesting. That's fascinating. I would love to get. Well, I will get my hands on this product and see mm -hmm. what. This may seem, I don't know, I don't want to, this is not, I, I don't consider this a bad thing because I find it more of a curiosity, but I'm curious to see what design by committee brought about yeah. in this instance, right? Yes. Yeah. Did they end up with a camel? 
<laughs> it's, it looks like a, it looks like a platypus. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you go by design by committee, you get a D and D game, right? Yeah, where you're yeah. Like, Put the leather vest on the cow. Where do we get a cow? We, it's our new familiar. And yeah, you're like, what? this is what happens when I let you all decide. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 fascinated by it. I it's a weird fascination. I don't know, like. You know, I'm just hearing about this right now. The artwork looks cool. It's a cool idea. I don't know if this is going to be a hot mess or the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I'm here for it, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the the way I look at it, I've probably paid a lot more for a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, it's kind of like, you know, like, hey, what are the elements you love? And they're like, cool, here's all the things. How can we yeah. connect all this to make something cohesive yeah. and entertaining? And I think that's probably like how they're approaching this, which is fun, which is like, what do you want to see? This awesome. We'll build something completely around all these elements. And and I think that could, you know, uh, you know, really service uh, a, a good number of people. I agree. I agree. Oh, I think definitely. it'll be fascinating. Yeah. Okay. That's from well, elderbrain.com. So go there, check it out. They've got the survey, the survey results, an adventure summary, you know, all that good stuff. So. And folks can head straight to the Kickstarter if they want to, uh, because yeah. it will be live by the time we get this episode up. I should have a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes. So yes, indeed, make it easy for you. All right, uh, that covers all of our news topics. Troy, I'm going to hand this over to you. Uh, walk our esteemed guests through our topic for the evening. Well. I really don't have to do much walking because our esteemed guest guests are our topic for this evening. Um, <laughs> basically, um, they have, as we've discussed earlier, a website for uh, professional dungeon masters to find players and for players to find to find professional dungeon masters. And the topic of the evening is: What does it take to become a professional dungeon master? Um, some would say it's to be paid to run a game. Zach, John, and I have all been paid to run games, but in a different, uh, aspect, I think, than what is going on over at, uh, Start Playing Games. So, tell us, Devin and Nate, what does it take to be a professional Dungeon Master? Well, I'd love to. Um, so <laughs> professional is definitely a fluid term. Um, you know, someone could be a trained professional that has been vetted and licensed. Um, but there's no one out there licensed. Actually, there used to be, there used to be a, uh, I think Wizards of the Coast would give you like a license if you were an AL, um, dungeon master. Um, <clears throat> but I think you just had to go online and answer some questions. Um, but, uh, we leave that up to everyone to decide what it is that makes them professional. We're, we're not going to um, infringe on this is exactly what it means. That's always a point of contention I see online. Um, for us, it's someone who wants to run games for other people um, of high quality, whether paid or unpaid. Um, but if, you, if you're on this platform, you're advertising yourself as a dungeon master that's a professional, you're going to be on time. You're, you're going to have something prepared. You're, you're going to be trying to make sure that you're giving the best experience to your players possible. And there's probably a ton of people out there who fit this exact role that aren't listing their games, that just run their games to their friends. But, you know, that person could still be, uh, you know, professional how they, they run it, uh, even though, you know, they're, they're D&D games or they're fun moments. Um, yeah. 
And I I think to just sort of build on that with a couple of specific examples um, for for me, um, you know, we try to talk to all of the uh, new game masters that are on our site um, by scheduling one-on-ones. And so I've met, uh, you know, music teachers, you know, history teachers, art teachers. And the reason why I sort of single some people out in this profession is because during this time, especially if you were on contract, so you weren't fully employed by schools, but you were doing contract work by schools, um, you would often lose your job. Um, COVID hit our education system really hard. And fortunately, uh, these couple of people that were educators before were also game masters in their own right. They had played games, they had DM'd for their local groups, and they were interested in learning about how to go on and DM on our site. And some of these people have become, you know, incredibly popular and successful. Uh, one of them at one time was one of the, you know, preeminent runners of Shadowrun on our game. Um, you know, another one, I think, ran four games this weekend. Um, and it provides like this great livelihood, this great um, extra money when you would have been laid off beforehand. And also you're playing D&D for cash. What, what, what joy, yeah. what a world yeah, we live right. in. <laughs> right. What, no a, what a wonderful um, time to be alive. Yes. It kidding. is. It is. Um, and I, I don't know if we want to bring this up, Devin, but you know, we've talked to some people that were reticent, uh, you know, about this sort of idea of, you know, paying a game master. And once they tried, they were completely blown away, changed their mind and started to, you know, not, not only just do this once, but, you know, doing a, be in a campaign with professional game masters paying each time because they just, they just found it was worth it. Um, yeah. They got a much higher quality experience. It, it's actually funny. So here's an antidote moment. Um, one of our dungeon masters advertised on Reddit um, uh, before our site and said like, Hey, you know, I'm willing to run this game and I'm looking for a game group charging 10 bucks a head. Someone com uh um someone commented like that's uh that's ridiculous I can't believe you charge uh, uh I was like I would run a game for free and so I was like oh okay like uh, uh me and my friends are looking for a game and the Reddit commenter is like okay yeah um and first game ended up uh, you know getting canceled a couple minutes before uh and then the following week um they just you know not much really happened and then the week after the GM just canceled on them said we'll have to do next week and then they always kind of get pushed away. Till he finally came back, he's like, "Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd like to pay for this." And now they've been playing with you know this dungeon master for about a year now, um, and and so I think everyone says, "Yes, I have the time, I could run this," but in reality, not everyone does, and and some people do, and, and that's a luxury that not everyone has. And dungeon masters put a ton of work into this, and um, you know some people are, are they don't have a group, and so they they can find a dungeon master, and they can you know have the same gaming experience that other people get to have. Um, they just might not have not the afforded the luxury for it. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of like the, the part we didn't mention and we've got to, you know, we've got to get better at sales. Um, but a lot of people on our site, they don't have friends locally or they don't have people that can play at the same time that they're able to play. And so they go in, they join up with other people that they're meeting for the first time in a D&D game. They have fun and they convert it into doing weekly campaigns. And those people that they met randomly over a D&D game become friends. Um, and so, you know, a couple of our game masters have been running games for people that, you know, started off as, you know, you know strangers and ultimately became friends over D&D over the internet, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. Oh, it, Absolutely. Yeah. 
stuff that we that, that we can all relate to um, from running games at conventions in person and uh, running with the uh, the online events. We've all made friends that I think we still keep in contact with uh, for, for years now for me, I know. But, uh, okay, so it, you say that uh, being a professional Dungeon Master is kind of is is a fluid term so you, you you probably have some on your site some top some of your top level dms that that always have games going on and great and then for that dm that's like boy i could never get there you know i, I just don't know what to do what would you say to that that new dm coming to your site wanting to that you know that doesn't have hosted over 500 games or a thousand games or professional gm for x number of years what does what does that gm need to do to be to to make his make their way to the top of that yeah list? well first i'd look him in the eye and i say listen you're a winner we don't use the, that kind of words all right <laughs> now we're going to take you i'm going to show you the world of dungeons and dragons as a professional dm and uh and i'm going to open your eyes um i think uh, the big thing that stopped a lot of people is they felt they needed a website. They needed business cards. They there's a lot of this thought that I need all these things to be a professional, um, which is is not true. Um, what you need is you need to be able to um, you know get one group, get one group that you run a game for, and once they start playing and they start just talking about how much fun they had with you, uh, it's a lot easier to move on from that. Um, you know, uh, word of mouth is always some of the best advertising when people, you know, talk about how great you are, but there's never really been much of a, um, testimonials for professional dungeon masters before. And that's kind of what our site is, is doing. We are, we are, um, uh, structuring the world of professional dungeon masters with reviews. Um, we don't do uh, star reviews. We just highlight the people that had great experiences so you can kind of get an idea of what this Dungeon Master is like. But I would say focus on your game. Focus on making it the best as possible. So mm-hmm. when you run that first game for people, they are like floored. They are like, this is this is the best game I've ever played because I see those reviews come in so much, especially from DMs. It's like they're running their first game and they feel so much confidence after seeing that kind of review come back to them saying like, uh, I played my first game with, you know, uh, so-and-so Dungeon Master, uh, and I can't believe I've waited this long to play D&D. That was the most fun I've ever had. Yes. All this, and you're like, that's it, kid. You got it. You just, <laughs> this is what it's all about. And and as that happens, you start realizing, like, cool, how do I make onboarding easy for new players? How do I make a game interesting, and how do I, you know, resolve conflicts quietly during game like is there a rogue trying to steal and like everyone's kind of new and it's already kind of infringing on the fun do you make sure before you start you say hey you know D, we don't infringe on funds we won't have any pvp um you start learning things that you do in your own games that help you facilitate better games um and and i think that's the that's the the most important things for you know someone who's looking to like step up to the next level um and then after that it's do tons of things um uh, write content for DMs Guild. Um, you know, uh, share every day on Twitter a great uh, adventure hook idea you have. Um, like any any platform you could be a part of, engage with that community, s- bring content to the community. Um, you know, uh, start a Twitch stream. That's kind of what I did. And 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 after I, I did that, it became bigger than pro DMing. So I was like, okay, well, I do this now. This is my thing. 
Um, and now I'm doing this because I'm like, I want to see other people become pro DMs and, and yeah. you know, be able to make money off of this. Yeah. And I, I think just to lean into a lot of things that you were saying, Devin, you know, this is kind of the same thing that happened with Airbnb. You know, you had, you know, before, if you wanted to start up a bed and breakfast, you know, yeah, you'd need to make, you know, an awesome place. You would need to go ahead and, you know, get breakfast equipment. You would need to be a great host. But then you'd also need to spin up a website. You need to accept payment. You would need to figure out messaging either on the website or off. You would need to do SEO. You would need to figure out marketing. There was this laundry list of things that really weren't core competencies for being a great host. Same thing for being a great DM. You know, you being able to spin up a website is not super important if you are an awesome voice actor, you know, or if you've got this incredible storyline. Those are the things that matter. Um, and we're trying to cut out all the kind of grunt work that people had to do beforehand in order to be a great DM. That's cool. I like I like the thought. That's a, that's a really good analogy. Kind of like hmm. frames it very nicely. So what... Uh, what do you see um who who makes the the top of the list what uh is it the 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 people that do the voice acting is it uh i mean i'm assuming that all the people that that profess to be a professional dungeon master and have made it uh at least have ran a few games for people are good storytellers to one extent or another um but what do you see that makes them makes the top the top is it are they doing already published content that that uh they're running exactly pretty much as written are they crafting homebrew worlds for their for their players or a mix thereof devin do you do you, do you mind if i take just the beginning please of this please one? please um i i think this is kind of you know, some people compare what we're doing to Twitch. Um, and it's it's a slightly different thing. You know, on Twitch, you know, even if you are, you know, a, a streamer, a DM on Twitch, you know, the thing is you can, as a single Twitch streamer, reach 100,000 players. As, as a pro DM on our site, even the best ones can only be playing 10 games a week. You know, and that's stretching. That's a lot of work. You just imagine playing, you know, yeah. running 10 professional. Woo! Um, but if you love it and you've got a lot of material that's been built up, it can work. Um, and so the great thing about our site is it's kind of not winner take all. You know, there can be, and for me, I, Devin, we have, I, I, you know, we've talked about this before. And I, I'll just shout out one of our DMs that I love. And, you know, each DM is not for everybody. Some people like different styles. But Dave, who runs Shadowrun is phenomenal and he is the trickiest dm ever any plan that you concoct he will you know construct a counter plan and i love that um and it's just the it's a brain teaser the entire time and some people don't like that it's different um and it's okay to lean into your own style which i love yeah mm. <clears throat> totally because i mean there's there's some people that are like that don't want to do voices. They don't want to role play as much. They want to think about uh, mechanics and they want to think about puzzle solving. And, and that's the game that works for them. And, and there's no um, one size fits all DM um, 
for you know different groups um and that's why i think it's important to like see like people review you seeing like oh my gosh he's so good with the voices ah his characters are so fun and you're like ah that's not really you know what i'm looking for but sometimes like brain teasers are galore this puzzle and this trap are brutal and like some people like Oh, I love this. Oh, you, I died in character creation. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, um, so you know, the idea is, is uh, finding, um, you know, a game master that works for you because the, your fun is what's the most important. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm looking through here, like, uh, checking out the, the game masters. I see, uh, you know, how long they've been playing tabletop RPGs, how long they've been professional game master how many games they've hosted and then they each get to write uh, a little blurb about themselves talking about themselves which is really cool and they even they they even have pro pro, uh, profiles for gm styles games that they play uh, platforms that they are comfortable with using and then their reviews and that to me is just awesome i mean if you're if you're on here trying to find a game master and you can't just talk to them or plop down at a table with them at, at your local game store. I mean, this is, this is in depth. I, I really, I really dig how this all works out. Oh, thank you. It's a labor of so, love. Let, let me ask a couple, I've got a couple questions for y'all um, just about your site. Cause um, if I'm going to assume that most of our listening audience is players and not DMs. So we might have folks listening in who are interested in using your service. So um, for those folks, do you have a rough idea of how many games you've got going on at any one given time? Um, usually there's going to be around, uh, you know, like a 20 to maybe 30 games a night that they could uh, are probably um, uh, open to join um, uh, with mixed seats. Um, and you know, that number has continued to kind of climb, uh, as far as like games that are available and games that are being booked about like, you know, maybe 5% week over week, but with a total growth of like, you know, something like 20% week over week, but the amount of like games that are being offered and scheduled on a certain time. So the, the two solutions we have is you have a group and you're looking for a dungeon master, uh, for your group. And the other is like, you could just join a game, uh, with a bunch of other people and start as strangers, become fast friends. Um, so it's, it's very easy when you pop on there, you can see like, oh, this, uh, game has one seat left. Um, this game has, you know, three, uh, and you, and you can kind of get an idea of like, okay, well this game's happening tonight. So you could literally come to the site right now and like, let's find a game. Let's, let's join something to play in the next hour. And, and we see that a lot on Friday and Saturday. People like, you know, um, like, hey, uh, <clears throat> looking to see, you know, is there still space in this game? Uh, I'm, I'm booking right now. Would love to play. I wanted some fun to do tonight. And it's kind of like a last second, you know, uh, spur the moment thought. I just want to join a one shot and have some fun. Gotcha. That's cool. I hadn't even thought about that, that it's not just for like the the person who's looking for a, what, what do we call it? A game to join where they are looking for a new group or whatever. But it's it's also for the person who just wants to play in the evening you know i have a free evening what's what's going on what can i hop into yeah and how cool cool. is it think about that like that is a pretty like rare form like you're like hey listen i i i like playing on uh you know the foundry or like playing on astral Uh, i'm gonna go to start playing dot games right now and i'm gonna find a game to play tonight because my plans kind of fell through and i want to do something fun and I've, i've already binged everything on netflix and crunchyroll um 
<laughs> and you're like, oh, this game looks fun. I'll join this. And, you know, an hour later, you're playing with a bunch of strangers and you're like playing like, all right, so this one shot, are we going to make this a campaign or what, dudes? That's yeah. cool. That's and awesome. Yeah, I, I just think it's, you know, hey, this type of thing's been around for video games for a long time. You can just hop on, click a button, join a game. Um, it's, uh, you know, I don't want to hint at things to come. But it's definitely really cool that you can, you know, pop onto our site, see if there's a game playing, and be able to join in an hour. Oh yeah, no, I'll I'll, I'll make Nate upset, and I'll hint at things to come. Yeah, um, <laughs> just imagine jo- going to our site and just saying, "I want to join a game right now," and then you know, within an hour, you're in one. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of like the the World of Warcraft LFG. Yes, right? yep. your, your yes. flag is available to play, and then somebody pulls you into their group. That's nice. And if you're a DM, it's, it would be it's kind of like being a cleric on WoW. Everybody wants you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we just got you in a lobby saying, all right, kid, you're up. Go out there and give them hell. Later. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Put yeah, me in, coach. Cool. I got this. Uh, yeah, so another- I'm seeing one shots and free sessions and learning how to plays. Do you, hey, do you guys know if is it is it primarily – I'm assuming it's primarily virtual – Right, I think it's that's yes. a given. But are they? Is it also facilitating in-person play at at this point? We've actually built that technology. Um, it needs a little bit of of tweaking, but we we kind of realize that because of the pandemic, in-person is is still a ways away. But we're definitely going to be servicing in-person play as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. And, and do you have? Do you guys? I mean, I'm assuming that you're you're letting your DMs set their player limits. Like they create a, a number of slots that they have available for a session, and then that it is either full or seats available based on that number. Or is it is it something that is like? A, do you guys have a standard for it? No, we 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 definitely let our GMs control the majority of what makes our games work for them. Interesting. So so uh, one I I have at least one more question, and we'll just keep. <laughs> Picking your brain. Um, so if I'm a player and I'm hopping on and I'm like, dude, I don't care what I play. I just want to play some d and I'm browsing through and I'm like, there's five campaigns that I could sign up for that I want to play in. How can I tell? Is there a way for me to tell? You know, like I don't want to sign up for five things and be, you know, for Friday night and they're all and then all of a sudden they all make. Is there a way for me to know if something makes or how close they are to filling or what the parameters are there? Or is it just kind of like, um, you know, you'll be notified when this thing is ready to go? Nate, I'm making friends with this microphone here. So why don't you take this one? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Throw me the softball. Um, (laughs) You know, our, you know, our ultimate goal is that if we're going to be showing a game, you know, you know, a you know, a day of or two days or three days beforehand, we want to guarantee that it's going to make. Um, and there's there's ways that we can do that. Um, you know, as we get bigger and bigger and as we get more technologically sophisticated, we can basically guarantee that these things will actually happen, um, which is really exciting. What what we try to do at the moment is we try to do our, our, our best job. Um, and we basically try to guarantee that if the game is, you know, filled up to a specific number of players the day before, we'll make sure that it happens. Um, and if the game master has to run with too few players, we'll try to compensate that game master for their time. Um, but if you are looking for next Friday and you sign up for a couple of games and none of these games have, uh, enough players at the time and they sort of start to fill up, 
you don't get charged until after the game. So you're always okay to drop out. If you're in a game, it's been filled. You, uh, you're, you're sort of like really like, ah, oh, I want to, I want to do this. I want to play this Call of Cthulhu, uh, module here. Uh, sorry. You can always drop out. The game master can't make you play the other games. So we're always, you know, as much as we love game masters and game masters are our bread and butter, uh, we're player first. Um, you know, we want to make sure that the players are having a great time. And if the players are having a great time, the game masters will. And, and, and to speak a little anecdotally of that, what we see is, um, <clears throat> You know, come the night of the game, um, you know, any game that you jump into and you try to, you know, book into, you're going to find out real fast that you, you're accepted or denied because um, the, yep. the the DMs have con- complete control over accepting you. So just as, you know, you're waiting on your application to be approved, um, GMs want to have more people in their games. They want to fill up because they want to make the, the most they can out of their games. So they're really responsive. Um, and, and what we do is if, if no one has booked in any of these games um, you know, the day of they're going to happen and no one has signed up for it. Um, they, they only show up on the GM's profile page. We don't s- show them on, on search, uh, because, you know, people are going to be joining games that like they're the only person. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so what you see, uh, 24 hours before a game, all those games have, you know, if you look at the site right now, like the first like eight games you see, um, all are going to happen. Um, yeah. you know, uh, and, and that's, and that's the exciting thing, knowing like, cool, I'm going to be playing in this game. This is going to happen. Um, and we don't have a lot of players bounce, um, to go into another yes. game. They, 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 they are like, I'm so excited. And if they can't make it, they feel so regretful. They're like, I'm sorry. You know, uh, you know, uh, I got to take care of this tonight. I can't do it. And GMs are understanding. We understand that people have lives and, and, and at the drop of a hat, anything can happen. Yeah. We've talked to other sites too. And I think we've got, you know, based on what we've heard, we've got about half the dropout rate that other sites have. Um, and we just try to, you know, we just try to make an easy UI. We try to make it very easy to go ahead and say yes and no, give you constant notifications. You were always trying to get better at that. Very cool. Yeah. I was, I was, so, so what, what your, what your UI does is it helps put players in front of games that it, that are likely to be filled first and foremost, and they're really going to have to hunt for a game that is unlikely to be filled by going to a DM's profile or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And, and the thing is, you know, the longer someone books out as the first person, um, you're likely, you know, cause usually when a DM, like anytime I put up a game, I'll usually see at least four of my usuals book up right away. Um, and that's what happens after a while. You just start realizing like anything you post, you know, if you have, if you have your usual crews that follow your games that want to join, you're going to see them show up. Um, you know, cause here's the thing, like we, we, we started seeing streamers use our, our, um, platform as a kind of a substitute for Patreon. Now, a lot of people use Patreon for like paid games and it's really hard to schedule those because people have, you know, different schedules, different time zones, and they're, they're spending a certain amount every month. And if you can't make it work with your schedule, then that person's leaving your Patreon. Um, so we have a few content creators that have left Patreon for just using it as for their paid games and they've come to us. Um, and like, for example, uh, you know, my, my show, uh, Total Party Chill, all of the stuff that we, uh, that I do on startplaying.games is all related to what's happening in the show on Twitch. So my community loves it because they come like, oh my gosh, this is going to affect the world that they, they play it on the, on, on Twitch and they get to be really involved and it creates this other form of like community meta, which is like really important. I feel that's really cool. Actually. Yeah. yeah. I love that idea. 
I, Devin, do you want to segue into, you know, oh, a, uh, oh, please, please do. Should I? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, unleash. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Can we talk about the secret project? I call it secret project tabletop. Oh, it's not a very original name, but <laughs> me and Nate uh, and the Starplane team have been working uh, just, you know, when we don't have big projects on hand, just kind of chipping away at it. Um, a shared universe for games. So imagine how World of Warcraft is. You know, usually it's like the first guild to take down this big bad boss. Um, but everyone else then gets to fight the boss afterwards. You can go online, find out some tips and tricks, you know, what kind of heal, heal bots you need to have in there, etc. But what if instead you had to take down the storm giant who's troubling the northern trade routes? You and your group do it. No one else can ever do that quest. It is canon on a shared universe that your group was the first and only to slay that uh, creature. And now that entire area is open for exploration. Taking the ideas of a West Marches game and the idea of uh, massive multiplayer online games and bringing them into a shared universe for tabletop gaming. Yeah, I like that. Especially the unlocks, right? You're the one. You're the legend. Yeah, that's the, your song is sung by the bards in the in the towns of your tales and your heroic deeds. Yeah, and because of you and you, because of your your comrades or your your fellowship, it's afforded other players the opportunity to to reach into a an, an, an as yet unexplored region of, yeah. of the world that you're. Now, is this something? Would this be? I'm assuming a. a um, like a custom campaign setting that you you all are putting together, or is this something something different? Right now, we're more working on what are the logistics to make it scale. Um, before we get too much yeah. in the world building, we have we have a handful of stuff. There might be a map that's already been made. Who knows? I could confirm or deny. Um, <clears throat> there might be some very big names attached to it. I can't confirm nor deny. Um, no, but <clears throat> you know the idea is like you know you could jump into a one shot with a bunch of other people in the shared universe, do an adventure. And then, you know, you can maybe sign up for a three-part adventure, which is every week yeah. for three weeks. And you're with, you know, and you are your own individual character and you might have a party you go every week with, or just anytime you see an open adventure, you want to join with it because, you know, the more times you play, the more likely you are to level. Oh, yeah. And so you could just jump on, you're like, oh, what games are going on this week? Ooh, this one's cool. Okay, uh, this one, all right, the Hollow Peaks. Let's go check that out. I want to do some cave uh, digging. And then, you know, the next week, like, all right, I'll do a caravan run. And every, you know, every week, there's just tons of adventures that you can run. And you're running with all these other people. But anything that happens becomes canon in the shared universe with you and all the other players. So if it's a shared universe, then I'm assuming you've got, you have standardized rules for character generation um for leveling up for races and cl- and uh is it because i'm assuming you are we talking D D or are we talking about a, a uh what's the what's your what's your we, core we, we, i think the route we're thinking is probably gonna be srd um there's a couple publishers that have like you know that would probably find this pretty interesting um you know taking the idea of a pathfinder society a um an adventures league and making it you know more of a metaverse um and I think we would have to definitely um, use SRD unless, you know, we can make some really fast friends that want to give us licensing. You know, they really, they love the idea. <laughs> right. um, you know, uh, and, um, but, you know, I, th- I think using SRD and, and having your own kind of uh, uh, fifth edition um, kind of compatible rule set uh, is the easiest to get someone into because, you know, everyone knows fifth edition, you know. Um, 
uh, you know, it's fifth edition and, and then everything else um, when it comes to D&D or tabletop gaming right now. Um, so the lowest barrier to entry would probably have to be, you know, uh, using um, uh, SRD rules for fifth edition. And then some homebrew. So, <laughs> yeah, but there's also going to be a lot of really cool tech that we're getting to build out as well. Um, and as a, a small plug for startplaying.games, um, if anyone is listening and is interested in this type of work or project or um, and has a software development background, please reach out. Uh, we, are, we are looking. So we're trying to make the team a little bit bigger. Startplaying.games. Hard sell. <laughs> Hard, that's, Sorry for the hard, hard sell. sell. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. No. So, okay, let's, so the, for the developers and the and the programmers out there, what uh, what's your back end look like? I know we're going to get into like very very light tech here. Just that seems a like a very personal question, John. Can you not tell by my mic? We just met these guys. Come on now. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we, um, for for people that are out there, um, we are actually doing a big migration. Um, so we've, we've been using some technology that is great and it's great for prototyping, but it's not going to be able to scale fairly effectively. And as our site grows and we're getting to a point where, you know, even today when we did, you know, our hacker news launch, uh, we had to increase our t- uh, capacity twice because we just had so many people hitting the site. Um, so we're going to be migrating to a new platform. So we are actually fairly, um, uh, open to, uh, you know, different tech stacks. So. Yeah, very agnostic right now. Yes, so it's the perfect time. Yeah, <laughs> pitch us your time. ideas. <laughs> that that would be the call after the call. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was about to say, that was. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> for, or for fear that this will turn into a, a different layer of nerd hell session. <laughs> oh please, please bring it on. <laughs> Anything I, else? I I don't know, but I'm I'm digging that uh, that idea of the shared world, uh, wow ish tabletop kind of idea. That just sounds yeah, like it, it you, sounds you, like Adventurers League meets World of Warcraft. Well, That's a great you, way to put it. Especially if you capitalize, if you visualize it properly through the website, you know, if you got if you like you said, if you're putting concept art, maps, and things like that together then you can show how the world is expanding as yeah. uh, as the player base grows and as more games are played, which is well, nice. He, so here's kind of like a little teaser, right? Um, you know, you, you choose, you, everyone kind of starts in, in one of the few starting areas. And if you want to go to another area, you'd have to take on a caravan quest or a traveling quest. And you okay. get with some other people that are traveling to another place and you, you have a game that is just traveling, but, you know, things... As as we know, in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, no traveling is ever nor nothing is like, ah, there's a lot of traffic on the road with all the caravans. No, it's like, oh, I want to go to the town over. There's an orc mob and a bunch of owlbears out there. I don't know how trade exists in D&D with all the dangers on the road. The economy, <clears throat> I told you I want to talk about gold economy, right? How does the gold economy work in D&D with all of this? Like, nothing can be traded. It's, um, so, yeah, so so the idea is, that, you know, you could travel to different places and, and, and you can see what quests are available there. Um, and it really makes it interesting to, like, make decisions on, like, where you're going to go. And, you know, uh, like, I'll make a new character and I'll start at this place. And now I have five characters in this in this shared universe. And I'm kind of just going to a bunch of different, you know, adventures throughout the different places. That's awesome. 
I love and, that idea. It's going to be, yeah. And the fact that you put it that way made me realize how badass caravan guards really are in D&D. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Badass, <laughs> badass or desperate. I mean, they're one of the two. They, well, I mean, they, right. there's so much danger. There, it's a, it's a guard-driven economy, is what it is. Yeah, and Without that's got to drive up the price of goods. Yeah, right. And so, again, the gold economy. <laughs> no, but you know, I think about like you know, we, we were thinking about like even farther down the road, it's like, well, what if we want to let people have stores i was like well maybe we'll have a passive income and maybe they, it could be a uh, a a, t- a fantasy store um uh what, what do you call that tycoon or a simulator where you like say like well this is how much money you have what do you want to stock and then people could literally just come and the buy the goods out of your store based off the amount that you're selling them for and you come back a week later it's like oh look everyone bought all my bars of soap and my flasks of oil yeah. You know? that's yeah. that's nuts that's that's a level that has not been dreamed of before i would well, say yeah that's yeah. crazy <laughs> I, I think the, the way the way that we see it is that video games are great in that you can interact with an unlimited number of people and that's so cool but they're kind of terrible because the interface is so limited so if only we could use the best human interface known to man aka another human being, and also have this ability to interact with everyone in the entire world at the same time, it feels like the marriage of two pretty freaking awesome things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is... Well, oddly enough, this, I think this might be one of the first times that uh, the main topic might cost me money. <laughs> <laughs> first game's free. Oh, there you go. Yes. For you, Troy? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Well, Nate, Devin, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. It was absolutely a delight. I'm so happy to have been had here. You guys are amazing. So thank you so much for having us. Oh, you you, you really appreciate it. You were a lot of fun. Well, we're going to be pointing uh, folks your way, not just uh, with this episode, but uh, in general. We talked to a lot of folks who are itching to play games. Uh, every con, every single con that we go to, there are folks that ask, at least me, they say, how can we do this next week? Right. Mm-hmm. Or or tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I ask you a question? Yeah. W- w- when does this podcast come out, this episode? This episode is going to come out on November 4th. So can I can I plug something that will be out by November second? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> we'll be hosting our first virtual convention with Take This, um, which is a uh, is a, a, a mental health charity for the gaming industry, and they're going to be doing their kind of game day, um, kind of inspired after Jasper's game day, who's been helping mm-hmm. uh, Take This and us plan it. But uh, we're going to have you know like over. Uh, you know, a 200 uh, GMs, I believe, just running games over the uh, the weekend of the 20 uh, from the 20th to the 22nd. Um, they'll be running games, and all the proceeds will be going to take this um, mm-hmm. from that weekend uh, from any nice. of their games. Nice, that's, yeah, that's really awesome. cool. Yeah, it's great. And, awesome. Yeah, uh, Fenway and Jasper's Game Day. The, they are some fantastic people. So it's awesome that you that you that they're helping with this. Yeah, yeah, we, we were like, hey, we don't want to step on toes. Me and take this sat down. There was like, this is a great idea. We love it. We'll give you, you know, any insights that you need. So, uh, we're we're very lucky 
um, uh, you know, that uh, everyone's been so awesome about this. And so we're really excited to, you know, have this big, big weekend of, you know, celebrity GMs and regular GMs and all these GMs and just raising money for a good cause. Yeah. That's amazing. Very cool. That's what it's awesome. All about. Yeah. Folks, check it out. All right. Well, we are a little over time, but that's perfectly fine. I had a feeling, you know, anytime we get some great guests on, and when when we start rolling through our news topics and we start turning them into chats, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a good one. Um, but yes, thanks again definitely. for hopping on. We'll uh, we'll have to have you on again sometime. Maybe uh, maybe maybe uh, when your big open world thing launches, you'll have to come back on and chat with us about it and. Tell us how it's all going. And I cannot wait. Oh, man. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. All right. Well, hey, uh, John and Troy, thanks again for hopping on this podcast with me. Oh, uh, yeah. Every week. And thanks to you, dear listener, for tuning in once again. We'd ask for you to uh, go to our Facebook page and uh, follow along there. You'll find any and all games and conventions and things that we're running. Uh, all our episodes get posted there weekly any special things that we've got going on. Um, and then also go to startplaying.games uh, and uh, perhaps dive into a game or two. So uh, until next time, we'll see you next week. Have a good night, everybody. Good games. <laughs> <laughs>